Welcome to First and Fifteen, the show that takes you around the UK flag football scene. Sponsored by Nuola, your customised sportswear supplier. We're back with another divisional review and it's week four and we head into the second half of the season. Hello and welcome back to the SWC premiere coverage. Um, I'm Jed Parisi from the Bedford Blackhawks and I just want to quickly apologise as I got some, uh, well not so much wrong, I kind of made out teams coming to us, about 12 different teams coming to us in Bedford, which wasn't the case. It was a SWC-SEC cross-conference game day, so um, I'm pretty sure you guys worked that out by yourselves, but I did make it out that they were coming to us, and that's a faux pas on my behalf. But I will get straight into it, and I will review the games covering the SEC and SWC cross-conference games from last weekend, the 18th and the 19th of May. We'll get straight into it. The first game of the day in Bedford was the Baker Street Buttonhookers and ourselves, the Bedford Blackhawks. Uh, not a lot to go into, really. The Buttonhookers, as we all very well know, are the British champions. Um, certainly a team that, if you see them coming up on a fixture list, you mark it as a tough game. And, I mean, they showed exactly the reason why they're champions and why they are to be feared in this league. Um, they beat us on the day 42-6, to six, which we made some early mistakes. And, I mean, I, I won't sit here and say that we were dominated in the sense of the scoreline because the game could have gone differently. And we made some stupid mistakes in the beginning of the game. I think our first three drives... Each individual drive, we dropped a pass that essentially would have been a first down. So I'm not saying that we know we would have scored on each of those, but it certainly helps you move up the field. But Baker Street are the kind of side that are not going to let you just make these mistakes without them capitalising. And they moved the ball up and down the field. Uh, Vince finding receivers all over. Really good players, as we all know. And they came out on top. The next game uh, involved the Baker Street Button Hookers again versus the Aylesbury Vale Spartans. Uh, big scoreline, the Hookers winning 56-6. to six. Um, I think Spartans had the same issue as us, really. A few early mistakes, not able to find receivers where uh, they needed to. A couple of drop passes. Uh, the Spartan squad was also quite depleted on the day. I believe they had quite a few defensive players missing again. And they had a few usual faces on the offense and then covering on defense so I think it was always going to be a game day on the back foot for them and the hookers came out on top uh large points difference 50 points in it They're, I mean not a lot you need to say about the um, Baker Street button hookers they really got warmed up against us and um, let it all loose against the Spartans the next game was a horrendous one for ourselves the London Smoke, 78, the Bedford Blackhawks, 13. And I mean, 78 points on any day is impressive. And my hat goes off to them. They're the team on the day, I believe, that scored the most out of any team. I mean, quote me if I'm wrong, but they were just unstoppable. We didn't have many answers for them. Really great sort of set of players, really talented, can move the ball all over the field. Quarterback is so efficient. The receivers just pulling out ridiculous catches and the yards after catch is unbelievable. Like that they can find the ball for a five yard gain. 
and move it for another 15, 20 without even sort of blinking. That's just so quick. Um, I certainly have them marked as a team that's going to be right at the end of the playoffs, if not in the Brit Bowl, by a long margin. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to catch them. I mean, they're in the toughest division in Baffa, and then that cannot be argued. But can another team, I mean, score 78 points against them? I don't know. But hat goes off to London Smoke, quite the performance. And they kept it rolling in the next game. Uh, London Smoke, 54. The Aylesbury Vale Spartans, 21. Again, the Spartans were playing with not their usual starters in certain positions, and I think it hurt them again. I mean, they put up a much better performance than they did the first game, scoring 21, but Smoke just cruised, really. They never really looked like losing control. I mean, you know, 21 points is nothing to shake a stick at, but at the same time, I don't think they ever let it get that close, the Smoke. I mean, I think they'll they'll go in back and forth throughout the first half, and then the time it got to the second half, Smoke just pulled away and finished the game. Uh, They finished the game day 2-0, as did the Baker Street Buttonhookers, so... Well played and congratulations, lads. Next, we're going to move on to the SEC cross-conference games. A couple of guys, uh, a couple of teams, sorry, from our division moving across for this weekend to play some in the SEC. And the first game I have listed is the London Rebels versus the North Ants Phantoms. The Rebels came out on top 41-13. Not very surprising. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Phantoms. I think they're a good side, but... Rebels, if I'm not mistaken, are only a few years removed from being the uh, Brit Bowl champions. Still got some very talented players from those years in their squad, as well as they recruit quite well. And um, it's not very surprising that they did come out on top. Obviously, Phantoms are always going to score points due to being how well drilled they are, but it just wasn't enough against the Rebels on the day. And this one, um, I believe I marked it down as being a game to watch. The... London Rebels versus the North Ants Titans Blue. And it can be surprising to some that the Rebels lost, but I certainly aren't surprised it was the North Ants Titans that won the game. Uh, they're a great side. They really are. They've got such a good, solid base in their team. They've got good core players that sort of help set the foundations, but then they've got such an influx of players all of the time. The youth set up, the other teams they have across Division 1, and I think they have like a system where... You know, depending on how you played the year before, you might get moved up into the to the first team, which is the Titans Blue, I believe. And they showed exactly what I've been saying sort of all season, that how anyone can predict this team struggling is beyond me. I mean, they clearly haven't watched them or been tracking their results. They're resilient. They've got players that can step in when needs be, as did Sam uh, playing quarterback the last game day. And this game day, they had Matt back. And... It showed that he's obviously been pulling the strings. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have the the match report. I don't know if it was close, but it looks like it possibly was. And then the Titans pulled away at the end. So, congratulations. And next up, the first of the day for the SWC division leaders, the Cardiff Hurricanes. They came up against the London Rebels, and the Hurricanes came out on top, thirty four eighteen, and answers a few questions that I had personally, you know, how are the Hurricanes going to step up against the other great teams that they're going to have to play in the SEC? And I think they answered that quite convincingly because I certainly didn't expect to see a 50, 60 point game against the Rebels, but 
34 points to 18 is pretty impressive. Um, speaking to Chris Jones after the game day, he said that they did struggle with injuries on the day. I believe they lost their star quarterback, Joe Cotterill. Uh, I believe he dislocated a finger, I think I was told. So um, I hope you have a speedy recovery there, Joe. But it didn't seem to affect the Cardiff Hurricanes too much as they had a guy step in and obviously uh, do the business. So really well played there, lads. Um, next up, absolute blinding game and surprising. I mean, if the Phantoms were to win this, it could have been the biggest shock on the day. Um, the game was the Reading Lions versus the North Ants Phantoms. And the Reading Lions won 33-32. to 32. One point from it being a tie. I mean, it's one of those games, I'm sure, that was absolute blinder to watch. Such a shame for the Phantoms, but they're good, fun games to be a part of. We've played Phantoms twice in games that have been separated by sort of two to three points. And uh, it's, it's really good fun. Good shootout. So I'm sure the spectators enjoyed that one. Next up. The Cardiff Hurricanes came up against the Reading Lions and a lot closer, probably the closest game the Hurricanes have had this season. Uh, the Hurricanes came out on top 31-25. to Obviously, the Lions must have got a big slap of reality when playing the Phantoms and knew they had to step it up. And they're a solid team. Doesn't surprise me that they um, pushed Hurricanes as far as they did. Did, a, did the injuries that were reported pay sort of against the Hurricanes? It probably did. I'm not going to sit here and say the Hurricanes are going to dominate the team like Red and Lions, uh, but 31-25, certainly surprising, but not surprised that the Hurricanes won. And the last game I have listed for the game day is the Victoria Park Panthers versus the Cardiff Hurricanes. The Hurricanes came out on top 39-19, and it's one of those games where I think with Victoria Park, they can really push you on the day. It depends on injuries, the way the game's gone so far. And uh, the Hurricanes were in a position where, w- with the injuries that they had and losing their starting quarterback, they probably had to play quite efficient. And to get those sort of points come in their favour is, is quite surprising. I mean, we played the Victoria Park Panthers not too long ago and um, they're, they're, they're just consistently good and another team like I mentioned with the Baker Street button hookers that if you don't knuckle down and play absolute hard and don't make any mistakes against Victoria they're just going to go and get you and um, unfortunately that must not have been the case the Hurricanes winning it quite convincingly uh, trying to stall actually because I realised <laughs> For some reason, I only had one game for Victoria Park, so I quickly jumped on the app, and I noticed that, surprisingly, to no one other than me, they had two more games. Um, Victoria Park Panthers played North Ants Titans Blue, and VPP won it 33-20, a game where, in my opinion, it could have gone either way, and as I said, I'm I'm a big fan of the Titans Blue, I don't think they get enough respect, and... They've pushed Victoria Park all the way, but um, being the efficient side they are, uh, the Panthers came out on top. And the other one I missed, which they would be annoyed if I did, I'm sure, um, absolute blowout performance. Um, Victoria Park Panthers 49, the North Ants Phantoms 6. I mean, pff, it must have just been an absolute offensive domination for Victoria Park. Uh, Phantoms had a quite a tough set of games. 
can only think that was the reason why they um, slowed up as much as they did, but nothing can be taken away from Victoria Park. They're um, a solid side and they're playing the hardest division in Baffa, arguably. So um, against teams like North Phantoms, they should be looking to win that convincingly. And so they did. So after that slight hiccup, let's see how much I can get this one wrong. Um, Again, we're going through the SWC and the SEC cross-conference games again. We will be heading out in, if I believe, two weeks' time, or just under two weeks. The 8th of June, we have uh, two split locations. First of all, I'll go through the games uh, at the Aylesbury Vale Spartans. So we have the Spartans versus the Rebels, the Spartans versus the Reading Lions, the Spartans versus the Victoria Park Panthers, ourselves, the Bedford Blackhawks versus the Victoria Park Panthers, the Bedford Blackhawks versus the Reading Lions, and they're both the Blackhawks versus the London Rebels. So, again, us and the Spartans are in quite uh, for quite a ride, shall I say. Um, again, going to be playing some very tough teams who all play in the best division, in my opinion, in flag football. So, um, wouldn't sleep on it, though. Um, again, I don't sort of predict our games. I think that's, again, playing with fate. But don't sleep on these games. I really think that both ourselves and the Spartans are are not going to come away empty-handed. I'm going to be confident and say we're both going to get a win that game day. I've you know I've, I can only hope and pray. I feel confident that we have the ability to do so. So be looking forward to those set of games for sure. Next up, I believe it's a very small game day, and I don't know how this is going to work because we've got the Smoke Hurricanes. And button hookers, so I think they're just going to have to go with the one team refing, which I think is still okay. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about splitting it up, so I'm pretty sure they're just going to have to accept one team doing a refereeing due to the uh, the dropout we had before the season started. So we have two games: the Cardiff Hurricanes versus the Baker Street Button Hookers, and the Cardiff Hurricanes versus the London Smoke. And my oh my. It's a shame that they're going to be on their own and there's not going to be anyone uh, going to watch unless you obviously aren't playing that day and you're able to get down to it. It being in London, I'm sure there's a few teams that would like to go watch. It's going to be a heck of a day. Really excited, actually, for this one. Mainly being because, arguably, they're the three teams you expect to uh, make the final, make the Brit Bowl. So, who's going to come out on top? I mean... Land some predictions. I mean, it's so hard. I don't know. I, I can't sit here and confidently say one team because playing against all of these, it's it's hard right now to say who's better. I mean, I think they're only two game days in at the moment on over at the SEC, so this will be the third that they have. And I think this certainly is going to decide the order. I really do. I think it's going to be separated by a game, maybe two, whoever's at the top. So really look forward to that one. And that will be it for this week. And we will see you on the field. Hello and welcome to the Southwest A1 and Southwest B1 cross-conference game day review. I'm Phil Dale <laughs> Davis, the Grant Gate as head coach. There's a total of 18 games to get through, so let's strap in because this could take a wee while. 
Joining me to dissect these games are Lewis Phillips, Exeter Falcons Hello. safety, team president and current IR member. <laughs> Hello. Uh, we've got Adam Russell, who I'm reliably informed wants to be known as Chewy, uh, Southern Reapers QB and team manager. Hello. And we've also got Jay Bellamy, who is the Reading Knights starting QB and coach. Hi, guys. Right, let's not hang about then. First four fixtures we're going to review. Um, I'll read them off and we'll just have a quick chat about them. We've got the Plymouth Wolverines against the Buckinghamshire Wolves, which finished 59-12 to the Bucks. We've got Western Supers against the Southern Reapers, which finished 57-25. Uh, Chichester Sharks, 45 against the Swindon Storm, 32. And the Swansea Hammerheads with a miserly two against the Reading Knights, 46. Should we start with the... Against the Bucks, uh, that's more of uh, Lewis and Chewy's department. Give us some feedback on the game, chaps. Well, um, I kept this was always going to be this was one of the ones that I think I sort of question marked because I wasn't sure exactly what I, we were going to get from Bucks Wolves. Um, it was nice for uh, nice to see Plymouth um, with a couple of. Well, I, I would say a strong team. Um, I, sure to be honest, I thought, I, I thought you were going to say turn up, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was nice to see them at all. Um, but yeah, they, they, had, they had some of their um, a, a somewhat stronger squad, certainly than what they brought to Exeter. Um, but for, so I, I watched that game um, because I wasn't entirely sure what to expect from Bucks Wolves. Um, and yeah, it was it was a good showing by Bucks. That's for sure. Um, they put up fifty nine points, which is never any anything to be snuffed at. I think Chewy, you were playing at the time, so probably didn't get to see an awful lot of it. Yeah, yeah, right. Played simultaneously as they were, so I didn't really get a chance to see much of what happened, other than finding out afterwards that they didn't have a score sheet somehow. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> don't know how that happened. Still trying to figure that one out. All right. Um... So we'll we'll move on to the next game, um, and I think maybe not so much Lewis, but me especially will be interested in your um, breakdown on the Supers because they've started the season really well. To be fair to them, uh, holding all the teams to zero on first game day, uh, and it it almost like they came unstuck in game day three a little bit. So give us a little breakdown on uh, the Reapers against the Supers, Chewy. Uh, well. It's- First, first game like against a team that we've never really kind of seen, or I, I'm, I mean, I met Andrew Craig before um, the games that we started to play, and had a bit of a chinwag with him, and kind of realised that we played at similar times in similar places, um, and never really kind of known each other beyond that. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was quite interesting to kind of see how how we kind of stacked up to start off with because we started off really slowly on defence. We were like fast asleep, I think, still <laughs> by the time we kind of started the first game. Um, and then suddenly out of the middle of nowhere, just kind of found rhythm. And yeah, it's it kind of uh, kind of around halftime, I think. <laughs> um, so yeah, by the time that happened, it was, they'd already put up 25 and I think we were up 33. Um, and then... Yeah, the defence just kind of held it all out for the second half and just posted a shutout in the second half. Um, and we just kind of kept sticking it in as much as we could. Um, it was a really yeah, good first half, um, I, I, from what I saw. Um, just because I think you pretty much uh, score for score every drive, or at least 
you know, yeah. it was score for score and stop for stop, you know. So yeah. it was it was really good. The, the first, that first half was just like, oh man, this could be a real shutout. They're like this could this could be a really good good match for the neutral to watch. But then yeah, like you say, I think they kind of got a bit. Um, they kind of run out of their bag of tricks in the second half and defence kind of sorted sorted sort themselves out. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 defence kind of woke up and figured out what we needed to do. And yeah, they, they, I, I don't know whether maybe because I think they only had seven or eight guys there. Seven, um, I think. And, yeah, and, and we somehow managed to find a 13-man team when I was struggling the previous game day to even get six. <laughs> That's um, what happened. Uh, host a game day. Yeah, exactly. Everyone turns up out of the woodwork. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, it was quite a surprise to have that many guys, and we we just decided straight away from the off that we'd have to use depth to kind of keep ourselves as fresh as possible for all three games. Um, it won't probably work moving on to another game days, but it's it certainly helped that 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 day. Okay, uh, Jay, I'm going to rely on you for this one because I was on the other field refing. Uh, Chidges the Sharks against the Swindon Storm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it was one of those weird games where I wasn't really sure what to expect because, obviously, I've never seen Swindon play, um, but I, I've known Neil for a little while now. Um, and the game seemed to be quite tight to a point. Both teams scored pretty regularly. Um, the Storm QB looked pretty electric. Um, I think his name's James, isn't it? James Lawford. Yeah, that's him. Um, the guy gets in and out of his tackles really well, but at, at the end of the day, Neil's experience and that whole team's, you know... Um, wealth of experience within the game sort of pushed them through okay and then uh, yourselves then Reading against uh, Swansea Hammerheads uh, I memory serves correctly I was part of the refing crew on this one you were Dale I probably gave you some stick halfway through I'm sure um, I'm used to it I dish it out just as badly anyway <laughs> I think I, got, you, you will to attest to that in fairness to him <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely um, I mean the scoreline in this one flattered us a bit I think Swansea played really really well um my defence sort of kicked me in the nuts a bit for giving away the two um, at the start oh. of the second half. Because uh, they were preaching, they were pushing for their first shutout of the season up until that point. Um, but yeah, Swansea, Swansea played really, really well. Our defence played outstandingly and we we sort of just did our thing on offence. We sort of spread the ball around really, really well. And thankfully we were we were consistent enough to put a good, uh, good lot of points up. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the one throw that sticks out in my mind from that game... Um... I can't remember if it was a touchdown or an extra or an extra point, but I think you went for two if it was. Yeah. Uh, you lined up like 10 yards deep on the snap and you threw the ball basically from the halfway and you put it into the corner of the end zone, but up high, where like literally the only only the receiver was catching or was going out of bounds. Uh, yeah. And you, you're going to find this from me for this, for this uh, conversation. Uh, your passing all day really impressed me in fairness. Well, thanks for the compliment. Um... That play, so we we we've run that play for years and years now. We've we've repped it over and over again to understand how to we sort of put it in the right position. But um, yeah, receiver goes up and makes a great grab on it. Just pleased that we could score. To be honest, going for two is always a bit risky, but just give it a go. It's two yards closer this year. I'm surprised most teams are not doing it. But uh... <laughs> excuse me. All right, on to the next four fixtures, and they were uh, Exeter Falcons against the uh, Reapers, which finished thirty-three-seven to the Reapers. Uh, Wolverines against the White Hellhounds, which looked like a, sh- a total shootout, 41-37 to the Hellhounds. Uh, my Gators against the Sharks, which finished 34-31 to the Gators. And the Storm against the Bucks Wolves 2, which finished 32-27 to the, uh, to the Storm. So, Lewis and Chewy, argue amongst yourselves. <laughs> 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 
I was really looking forward to this game um, because this was going to be our real test for us to kind of see where we were. Um, I Looking at the Reapers' other scores on the day, um, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm just happy we held them to 33. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, they were firing all day and... I'm not really sure like where we could have where we could have gotten better. I think we we were better than seven points suggest, um, but yeah, ultimately worthy winners. Uh, hat off entirely to the Reapers. They were um, they had all the answers to our offense, and uh, they pulled all the tricks. They hit us if we had the if we had the flats covered they hit to the middle of the field if we had the middle of the field covered they'd make run after catch so yeah it was hats off to them it was it was a good game yeah absolutely it was it was it felt very much like uh when we played the bucks wolves and it's a very similar scoreline at the beginning of the season um bucks bucks wolves are a bloody good side um played them twice last season um, and tied, I think, 45 all or something ridiculous and then lost by a point in the, at the end oh. of the season. Um, and yeah, they've, they've got such a, such a solid team and so much depth to it as well. Um, there's just so many weapons they can go to and so many guys that can just step in and just make a play. Um, and yeah, it, it felt very much like that. I mean, you, I, I struggled at times to move the ball against you guys and your defence just kind of dug in um, and it, it was it was literally like a, a grind, like trying to move the ball up the field and just find the spots. Uh, I think we, we were only a score down at the half, I think. Um, and I definitely remember thinking that it, we was, you know, we had a shot at this. But then, yes, again, second half, you just kind of run away with it. Similar yeah, to I, the, I, think um, it was, I think it was 27 at the half. Oh, was it? Oh, more yeah, than like, but it, either, yeah. either way, it, st- it, it still only felt like one score. You're, you're right. Yeah. About that. I, I certainly went in at half time thinking, holy crap, this is a lot tighter than the score reflects. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely remember saying at half time that you know, this is two scores. It's uh, definitely not over yet. And, and um, you know, we can, if we just, then we could, we could come back in it. But yeah, the second half wasn't to be. Okay, um, Wolverines, Hellhounds. Um, if memory serves me correctly, uh, both teams at the start of play of the day were propping up their division. So, yeah. battle at the basement for this one. So, uh, I'm going to start off this by saying I told you so, because uh, I did in the last podcast that this was going to be a great game for the neutral. And I made sure I watched this game, and I was right. This game was a firecracker right the way down to the last throw of the ball. I think Plymouth even... Um, even had a, a pass interference call go there. Oh, no, it was uh, rough in the passer, I think, wasn't it? Like, oh, know. was it? Yeah, it gave them it gave them an extra ten yards yeah. and another oh, one last untimed down with the dice. So it was right down to extra time, uh, you know, and it was a thriller. Okay, um, we'll. Push on then. Uh, Gators against Sharks. Um, Jay, I think, I don't know whether you were refing, but you guys were part of the ref crew for this one. Um, yeah, so I, I was refing the game on the other field, but my colleague ah, right. was, was refing that game, so I got a bit of feedback from him on this. Uh, um, I, and in general, go on. Oh, go on. No, go on. In general, it was, it seemed to be one of those really, really, really tight games. Um, 
and it, it seemed to go back and forth and back and forth. And it was it was one of those things that just came down to a final pick, I believe, wasn't it? Well, from my memory, I mean, I was actually pushed, pushed into action as our QB1 made himself unavailable Friday night because of work. Uh, so I had no intention of playing, if I'm brutally honest. But uh, <laughs> we started off pretty slow. And we, we give the Sharks a 14-0 lead or a two-score lead. Uh, I can't remember if they converted both. Uh, but then we, we started driving, getting getting uh, yardage and getting some points. And I believe at the half, we were up by a couple of points, 20, 27, 21, something, something like that. Um, but then second half, I, all I can remember is uh, about halfway through the second half, I said to somebody, what's the score? And they went, oh, 34-25. And they went, what, the Sharks? They went, no, to us. I'm like, what? Really? I genuinely didn't realise we were winning. Um, but yeah, it was uh, nip and tuck most of the game. Um, you had the, the wily old veteran under centre, Mr. Henderson, uh, and you had Peter. But I do believe they were missing Corey, uh, Corey Bedford, is it? Bedford, yeah, they were. Yeah, they were missing Corey. Uh, which, as it turned out, I was grateful for. Um, <laughs> but I, I would have liked to have seen Chichester at uh, full pomp. But yeah, they, they were a tough team. They're, uh, in fairness, our defense stepped up. I think we had five picks on the day, and one was a pick six. Um, so that 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 made you know for the offense anyway a little bit of an easier day. But yes, it did come down to uh, us trying to run the clock out, not being able to, and giving Chichester one final roll of the dice. But our D managed to snuff it to keep hold of the victory. It was a, it was a really enjoyable game looking back. I I, I can't say I enjoyed it at the time, um, but <laughs> afterwards looking back, yeah, it was a good game. Mm. I heard a lot of uh, whooping and cheering after that one from the from the Gators guys. I have to say, it was a really loud game from your sideline. I'm, 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 I'm reliably told that we could hear it from Andover at our cross conference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised because, given the way we started the season, that was a bit of a statement win for us. But uh, yeah. we could keep keep it rolling. It's going to be the art bit. Yeah. Uh, and then last game of the uh, second round was uh, Swindon Storm against the Bucks Wolves two, which finished thirty two twenty seven. Which I'm guessing you were refing then, Jay. Yeah, I ref this game, and um, it, it was one of those ones that before before we got to halftime, it just seemed like both teams were scoring at will, um, and it seemed to be going everywhere. And I think Wolves two probably went into halftime a couple of a couple of points up, by, but nothing much. Um, but in the second half, Storm came out really really strong early on, managed the clock really really effectively. Wolves had a, a drive right at the end, and they went they went eight plays all the way down the field to have it on on the four and get shut out of the end zone. Um, but what I will say about Wolves too is, is we played them in the, in the first week and they've got a hell of a lot better over that time. You can, you can see clearly their development uh, pushing a team like Storm all the way. Um, but yeah, it was the experience from Storm that pushed them through. Cool. Okay, and the next batch, we've got Falcons 22, Hellhounds 13, Wolves 2-12, Wolverines a big fat goose egg, and uh, Reaper 66, and uh, the Sharks 42, Hammerheads 20. Uh, Lewis, let's give you a take on the Falcons against the Hellhounds. So this, for us, I think we was a bit of a trap game, I think. Um, we saw that the Hellhounds were, say, propping up um, their division, and I think we did go into it a little bit overconfident on offense. Um, Jay quite often tried to sort of force the deep ball, um, try and get the chunk plays rather than just taking what the defense gave us. But I think what really affected us the most is right at the very end of our previous game against the Reapers, we lost Ed. Um, 
I think it was the last the last throw of the game. Uh, he swatted down an extra point attempt um, and subsequently broke his finger in several places. Um, and so he was out for the rest of the day. And we also lost Susie's uh, Susie as well as she rushed off to take him to A and E. Um, so I think after that we were a little bit frazzled. Ed's Ed's pretty good um, leader on the team and keeps everyone's head level. He keeps everyone's everyone focused. Um, so I think we kind of missed that a little bit. Um, we'd already lost Will for the day. He, he was unfortunately unavailable due to work. Will's our superstar rookie uh, sensation this year at safety. So having the top of our defense uh, not available for this game. Um, Paul made the, the changeover from offense uh, to play one of our safeties and, and we had Josh Evans uh, back there switching from corner to safety. Um, so yeah, I think we were a little bit frazzled. We were a little bit like, oh my God, what's going on? Ed gone. You know, we, we've got this trap game. Why aren't we, why aren't we running away with this? Um, and I think then, I think it was one scoring it again in the, in, uh, at the half um, and kind of Got, got our act together sort of in the last five, ten minutes uh, of the second of the game. Just kind of, come on, let's not be, you know, take nothing for granted. We, we could be, we, we should be winning this. And, and um, yeah, just kind of snapped out of it to get a winning score. Okay, so it sounds like you made tough work of it then. And Paul Hindle on defence, that's got to be a first. Yeah, well, the Southwest series was really helpful in that respect because obviously we'd split into two teams. Um, so generally, people throughout the series were playing offense and defense. So fortunately, uh, yeah, Paul was able to draw on the experience he had playing safety um, at the Southwest series to sort of get him through. And he actually had a really good day. I think he ended up with um, two interceptions on the day, one in that White Hellhounds game, and he had another one later on against Bucks Wolves that uh, saved a touchdown. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a man of many talents. And if there was ever a, a, a reason to push off-season tournaments, there you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll be doing something similar again, I imagine, uh, come the end of this year. Um, so we get this against the Wolves too. Um, again, I I started for the uh, offense, but with the intention of getting our QB two in at some point. Uh, Liam, uh, he's still gaining some experience. Um, it was twelve six at the half. Uh, they they D was pretty good. Uh, they, they, I, I, you guys are probably more used to it, but I can't say I played against a team who huddled together and wait for the offense to come out before deciding what formation they're going to take. Uh, that was a new one on me, um, but yeah, they were they were pretty tough. Uh, the the oh, the brothers, one of the one of the brothers, you guys might know better than me. Help me out. Yeah, I don't know his name unfortunately, but right. I, know who... I think he's twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight. He's one of those three numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was playing safety as well as QB. He played very well. Um, but twelve six at the half. Um, I stepped aside to let Liam go in. We made a few changes. Uh, and to be fair, Liam played well the second half. Uh, we ended up finishing twenty-five to twelve, and and I've got to mention it because it was a big fuss about it. But there was a mention of a a, a round the back touchdown pass. <laughs> there was, there was, yeah. which was a, to be honest, I do it far too often for my own good, uh, which I'm sure some people have seen it, both good and bad. Uh, but this time it happened to work out. But uh, but yeah. It, it, 
considering they're a second team, they, they did pretty well. Uh, even when I was refing them later on, uh, they, they, they're better than some of their scores uh, showed. But yeah, we, we managed to finish it off 25 to 12 by the end of the game anyway. Uh, where we go? Wolverines against the Reapers. The Reapers lead a goose egg on them. Talk us through it, uh, Chewy. Um, the, I, I tell you what, I've got a lot of time for the Wolverines because uh, they remind me of when I used to play for the Thrashers. Um, and a couple of seasons ago, the Thrashers basically imploded. Um, and there was myself running the team. And I, but all I wanted was four other guys to come with me to finish the season's games. Um, and managed to do that, lost all of the games, didn't really care about that, just wanted to finish the season and get to the off-season. Um, but that's kind of how that feels to me, and that's kind of the nucleus of something that can be a lot better than it is right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's tough at this point because they're, although they're playing well, they're not quite like a whole team yet. They've, they've got the nucleus for it, it's just that they need a bit more time and experience together, and I think they'll, that, that will come long enough to, to carry it going um, but yeah I mean they, they came out and they played with heart but our defence by that point were, they, they were chomping at the bit um, and just jumped I think there was like six interceptions or two pick sixes um, a bunch of sacks um, yeah it just it, it didn't it, it wasn't a big score at half time I think it was like 20 25 or 26 nil or something and then we got both of the pick sixes and then four more drives in the second half of scores and it just I think they kind of like capitulated <laughs> after about the first play of the second half um, and they were, just, they were just playing for fun which is I, I'm, I'm all about that I, I, I love I love playing the game so like for them to not like they were losing but they were playing with heart and they were playing for fun and as long as you can carry on doing that, it doesn't really make too much of a difference if you win or lose. Like, it helps if you win, but at the end of the day, like, it's, it's just a game. I was just going to say, Liv, before you, you can jump in now, that you would know much better than me because you're the, the local team to them. But they, they've got a nucleus of good guys, but it's almost like they're in a rebuild at the moment because they've lost some guys and they're recruited in and they've got some very raw guys. So... Like you said, they are in the middle of that sort of like um, rebuild as such. Yeah, so like you say, I've I've um, we we've gotten to know Plymouth really well over the last couple of years that we've been in the league, um, being the most local to them, um, and you know on a on a friendly note as well, like really gotten to know them, and it's always a laugh. I always end up having a chat, a joke um, with Baz, and we had great fun watching the final game. Um, but yeah, they've they've lost a lot of their key players, um, and Baz is is pretty much the glue holding it all together at the moment. But they they're very heavily propped up by um, a couple of guys from the Torbay Trojans uh, who you know enjoy it and and, and they have fun and they they're really talented players. But I I think they would they would probably admit that Torbay Trojans comes first. Um, and that needs to be, from my point of view, I think that cal- that caliber player needs to be sort of bonus rather than um, yeah, rather than foundation, you know. Uh, but yeah, I think they're missing people like Sam. Uh, they they missed Sam Couch on the day. I think I don't think he was there. Uh, they're missing people like Sam Smith, who was a brilliant, um, quick 
and good reader of the game. Uh, and Ian Sorjak has unfortunately got a new job, meaning he can't play. And Adam Lyons was a big part of that team. Um, and he unfortunately suffered an injury, probably means he's not sure if he's going to play again. So these are like, knowing them as I do, these are big names that they're missing. Um, and I, they didn't have the iron on the day either, who's the, the president, head coach, head honcho. Um, so yeah, I, I was, uh, I'm, like I say, I think you're right. They're, on, they're in a bit of a rebuild. They've got one or two rookie players who could be, you know, could come on really well. And they played in the Southwest series uh, and showed their worth. Um, but yeah, I think maybe give it another year or two. Uh, and I think they could definitely be back um, to their former glory. Okay. Uh, and then the last game of this group was uh, the Sharks 42 against the Hammerheads 20. Uh, as I was playing, I didn't see much of this one. Uh, Jay, can you shed any light on this one? Yeah, so I, I saw about um, three quarters of this game because we went to uh, we went to warm up afterwards. But it, it seemed like one of those, those games where obviously Neil had just come off the back of playing yourselves and he he was ready he was warm and he, he just wanted to go straight into it and he was connecting left right and center um you know he, he didn't really miss a beat in this game and swansea again were hard done by by the scoreline i'd say swansea's qb i think his name's Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. Ashley. Yeah. He, he he looks really really good and, and all he needs really is, is a few more games under his belt before he, he he'll really take off with it but yeah, the, sh- the Sharks, they didn't necessarily steamroll Swansea. It's harsh to say that, and it flatters them to the scoreline, but it was one of those ones where Neil just fired, fired um, really, really consistently. I, I will say, and Lewis will attest to this uh, from the last podcast, I'm a big fan of Ash and his mechanics. He's a really nice passer. Uh, yeah. But unfortunately, um, they're missing their um, star-wide receiver, if you want. Harley, he played in a friendly against us a couple of weeks ago and rolled his ankle. Uh, and he's a big miss for them because outside of Harley, yeah. they, they're a little bit inconsistent on the, on the receiving aspect. Dylan did well for him on the day, uh, but Dylan can be inconsistent. Tom played outstanding against the Wolves too, but <clears throat> excuse me, but he can blow hot and cold as well. Uh, it's finding that consistency for them. I mean, unfortunately, they're probably the more reliable target is Paul, the head coach. Um, but with the best will in the world, he's getting on in years as well. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, you you can't keep grinding it to a fifty year old every play, and that's what they're missing. They they're missing a bit of consistency. But yeah, on the day they can be a dangerous team. They're a real tough team to play against. I think. Yeah, and it's it's gone. Sorry, I, I just I from having the games that we played last year and this year against Swansea, particularly this year. Um, their offense has really come on. Ashley is a great addition. Uh, and I think he's got a couple of weapons on that offense. But really, I think what he needs is for the pressure to be off on defense. I think they, no disrespect to their defensive players, um, but I think they are a defensive, a defense away from being a really competitive unit. If he could, if Ashley could have the pressure taken off him to score every, uh, every drive, um, I think they could be, they could be 42 20 would not be a, you know, a regular scoreline. Um, but I mean, some of the names they've got on offense are really good. Ash is a great quarterback. Say Paul is consistent when he's, when they play him at center. If Harley's playing, I, I, I wasn't aware that he was out. Um, but when he's playing, he's a, he's a, he's a real superstar for them. Uh, and they've got Matt Milam as well. Um, who's got, uh, can, can be sort of overlooked sometimes. Um, 
but yeah, the the defense doesn't like the doesn't you know doesn't help them out. I think Tom's a really good blitzer um, when he's blitzing. Uh, he's really quick and he's a really good running back as well on offense. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think there's there's some holes in the defense that if they if they addressed, they could be really really competitive. It'll be it'll sorry just before you crack on there. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they bring to the next game day because it's more local. Uh, I'm wondering whether they'll have a few more of the guys who like have commitments that may be able to wait, make it by ten o'clock rather than have to leave at seven. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and from from what I saw, it seems like that defense relies a lot on. I think if, if it's Tom as the blitzer, um, he clearly is a real, really, really good talent at doing what he does, which is getting to the quarterback. Because he had me a couple of times really running around. Um, but it's almost like their coverage behind that is set up to defend for three seconds and not defend for the four mm. or five seconds. I think they've sometimes. got. I think they've got David Camp doing most of the blitzing duties now. Yeah, but, um, but Tom's really speedy. David's bit uh, a bit slower, uh, and he's a bit more awkward. I mean, I, I personally prefer Tom Blitz to me. Uh, David, he, I can deal with speed a bit better than I can with the, the sort of like oh, no, the, the slower, more methodical. I I can yeah I, I know what you mean David's a lot taller and he's a bit lankier and he uses his arms a bit better to sort of get get, get sort of in the way of your uh your your throwing lanes and things and get in your face similar to what um I'm not sure if you've ever played Cardiff what Chad Stevens does so he's not the fastest guy in the world but he's tall and he's lanky and he gets his arms up um which can put you know make you throw in awkward ways and I think that's what David brings to that role but uh I was I was yeah, I've I've been sacked more times by um, Tom than I have by David. All right, so let's move on to the fourth batch. Um, we got the the Supers forty six against the Hellhounds thirty, uh, Falcons twenty four, Wolves thirty eight, Storm seven, Knights forty six, and Hammerheads forty eight, Wolves four, Wolves two fourteen. So Supers against the Hellhounds. Who wants to jump in? So I. I can't say enough good things about the Western Supers this year so far, um, which is really difficult for me because they are chomping at our heels uh, just behind us on the tables. But they, in this game, even though I think some of the, some of the score lines didn't go their way against what I'm going to refer to as some of the bigger teams, uh, the two bigger teams um, in the cross-conference, um, Bucks and uh, and Southern, um, I think they what was it they they Buckinghamshire put fifty two on them and Southern put fifty seven on them, but they were still able to put up points. You know they put twenty five on Southern, they put twenty one up against Buck, uh, Buckinghamshire, and they put thirty on on White. Uh, sorry, put forty six on White, which is is huge. Um, that was their most impressive outing. Uh, they. Clearly, still got some. I mean, they they averaged thirty points a game on the day, which isn't bad, but they've clearly got some defensive issues because they allowed one hundred and thirty nine points, um, and that's that was you know that's averaging forty six points a game on the day, which, which is stark contrast to the opening game day where they conceded none. Yeah, <laughs> that, that yeah, that's what I thought is they've they've kind of because they they allowed a couple of points as well on on game day two, um, some some shocking. Uh, score lines on that day so I think to some extent whatever it is um, people seem to have found a weakness a weak spot and, and are exploiting it 
because um, that to me when I was when I was looking up the stats for it the, the points allowed like 40, 46 points allowed per game is um, heavy that's, yeah that's quite heavy um, but still to be able to you know I think still putting up 46 points and, and, and uh, against White and in the 20s against the other two uh, these, their offense is, is, is good um, but they've got some issues that they need to tweak on defense I think Okay, um, so Falcons against Wolves. Um, before you two dive into this, I will say, knowing nothing about South Southwest B One other than reputation, um, this scoreline, given what I was expecting of the Falcons on the day, was what I was expecting of the Falcons. So across the three games, win or lose, it would be tight. Uh, so this one seemed a little bit more competitive. Uh, Lou, give us some breakdown. So this was the most frustrating game for me um, because, again, going back to this, so this was our third game on the bounce. We'd lost Ed. We lost Susie. We were still a bit frazzled. We were just sort of kind of picking the pieces back together. We felt like we we could have we didn't play our best against White just previously, uh, and we knew Buckinghamshire were going to give us a really good game. Um, it was a slow start from us um, in the first half. We picked ourselves up in the second half, but unfortunately, it, it kind of felt like we dug ourselves too big a hole in the first half um, to, to really climb out. I think it was something like 19-6 at halftime. Um, and then in the second half, um, we just we couldn't, we couldn't overcome that. So every, every time we scored, we couldn't get a stop, you know, and every time... Every time we stopped them, um, you know, we just couldn't get over that. We'd get it. We'd get within a, a score, and we just needed that stop to give us another chance to level it. And we just couldn't get that that extra stop. Um, but we were definitely more improved in the second half. I think we kind of resigned ourselves by the fourth quarter, if you want, to kind of hey, let's just make sure we enjoy this game, and and if we have fun and play loose, then who knows the you know the uh, the results might come. Uh, um, by damn, do we get close? <laughs> Should we got anything to add to this one, buddy? I I'd left by that point as I had to go to work, so I don't think anything. All right, we'll move on then. Um, Storm seven, Knights forty-six. Uh, I was on the other field uh, officiating on this one, so um, you were playing, Jake. Give us a breakdown. Um, yeah, this one, I mean, from our point of view, it was a fun game to play in, actually. Storm, Storm are a really good team. Their fundamentals are really, really sound. Um, in general, what I found was on defense, they didn't adjust to anything we did. We were able to run the same thing consistently on over and over again. And one of our, one of our rookies, JT, just absolutely span about six or seven times just to go through their, their defense. So, we, we got lucky in regards to just having a good lot of run after catch. But yeah, Storm, Storm for me, next step is really taking that next level of adjustment. Um, and from an offensive point of view, uh, sorry, from a Storm offense point of view, they were really, really consistent at taking everything underneath. Um, and when James got the ball in his hands and started running around, they, they got big chunk yardage. What they didn't do very well is hiss over the top. Um, and it just let our guys play down uh, and play underneath on everything. It, it became sort of routine to go onto the field and have four and out. So, yeah, credit to Storm where, it, you know, 
they they were fundamentally really really sound, but um, yeah, they just weren't explosive enough on the day for uh, us, and, and we just you know we got lucky with a few missed tackles. But yeah, um, it'll be it'll be a good one to see. I would love to play them next year actually when they've had that that year extra just to develop their offense um, and see what that game would look like when they start putting more points on the board. Okay, uh, and then lastly, the Hammerhead against the Wolves too. Um, the little timekeeping issue aside in the second half um, it, it was a fairly tight game to the half um, Wolves 2 fairly were pretty competitive uh, the Hammerheads I think always had a little bit too much for them but then what they what they suddenly found in the second half um, and I, I, I hope he won't hold me against it but Tom of Swansea his, his hands can be um, inconsistent and they just all all he did was sweep him out from the backfield and just dumping it off, and he was going the length. It seemed that every time the play started, the Wolves' defense compressed towards the middle of the field and just left a lovely big alleyway down the down the right hand side of the field for Tom to jet into. Uh, and it went back and forth a little bit. I know um, they hit a long deep ball to the, their number four, uh, who seemed to be their primary weapon. Uh, but yeah, Hammerheads, they, they they turned the screw a little bit in the second half and uh, took advantage of the space that was being opened up. And finally, then the last batch of games, uh, we have the, the Supers 21 against the Wolves 52, and the Knights 66 against the Gators 12. So we'll, we'll do the Supers against the Wolves first. Uh, either of you two ref, watch, well, you didn't ref, Lewis, you probably sat in the sideline being fanned by slaves. <laughs> So, well, yeah, you're not far off. Um, we, the Falcons did ref this match, but I was comfortably on my camping chair, um, swilling back squash and shouting profanities with Baz at the Plymouth Wolverines refing crew, much to everyone's delight. Um, but I think from, from a footballing perspective, this game was very similar. Um, the, the first game they played against Southern... They, it was it was back and forth for the first half of the game. Um, there was lots of sloppy tackling. Um, Western have this kind of little four-yard dump-off play where they just get the ball to Sam in the flats and then he makes more than five people miss somehow. Um, and they ripped off chunks of yardage with that and loads of times. Um, but then in the second half... Just like against, uh, just like against Southern Buckinghamshire, sorted themselves out, got their tackling better. They realised, figured out what was going on. Western run out of tricks, and they just had to run away with it. Um, they, they went two scores up, and I think Western had kind of were running out of steam. Um, once they kind of fallen behind on the score. On the scoreboard. Okay. <clears throat> And then lastly, Knights against Gators. Uh, we're not going to bother talking about that, are we, Jay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, excuses as it may be, I'll get them in up front. Uh, we were jet-lagged. Uh, we were... Yeah. And on our... The, aside from being the third game for both teams, which clearly didn't affect you guys too much, um, having the game off really didn't do us any favours because from the two games, you know, we're, we... To most of the guys, uh, unexpected uh, win over Chichester, follow it up with a win over the Wolves too. Uh, and then to have that game off, it, it kind of settled the squad back down and we never really got up for it. And we knew it was going to be a test after watching you guys most of the day. 
Um, and from my point of view on offense, we were able to move the ball against you, but not consistently enough. We we might get a first down, or we we might go four and out. But if we get a first down, we're not able to capitalize. Uh, and you were guys, what impressed me with with you you guys in that game, especially, um, they look like twins. I'm I'm sure they're not, but eighty three and eighty four, the two receivers. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the the two things I noticed, they were very spatially aware uh, of their routes, and they. If there was any element of uh, stress on you, they were working back to you. They they knew their role as a receiver from what I saw. I mean, that's a big help when you've got you get pressured by a blitz, so you're able to roll out and your receivers working back to you to make it easier for you. Uh, and it just it just showed there was a little bit a, a level of um, what's the right word um, cohesion and dynamic, I suppose. That you guys are used to each other. You know your roles inside and out. Whereas for for the best will in the world, we're still a little bit disjointed because we haven't had full strength team available. Um, Would you looking for chemistry? Yes, thank you, chemistry. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were 30, 34, 38 nil down at half time, um, and by which time I was out and I put Liam in to see if we could spark something uh, on offense. Um, and your savage defense took full advantage of his inexperience. To be fair, uh, you picked him off three times in four passes, and one went to the house, and two very close to, uh, which really didn't help us much. Uh, I don't know why our defense decided to get so porous either, but uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's a lot down to your play. But yeah, you you were full full value for the win. I mean, we kept plugging. We managed to get a. We finally managed to get Andy free of uh, some grass for a score, and then. Uh, a very late constellation over the top to Matt Burke, but no, 66-12, on paper, I look at it and I go, oh, but in fairness, you were valued for this. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting what you say about um, the cohesion uh, part of it. It's, though, 83, um, we call him Home Alone because he, he looks like... Yeah, uh, yeah, you see that? Yeah, Kevin McAllister. I remember him, I remember him from Manchester. <laughs> Yeah, well, be- he's he's a, he's a great lad. He, he's he's the nicest person on the planet, but he gets so much abuse for that. Before you go um, any further into into names, uh, our lot nicknamed you were sent down. I'm sure you've already given him the nickname before, uh, Neil Warnock. <laughs> I think his name was Martin Cooper. Was it? Uh, no, our centre um, is his name is actually Rob Smith, but we called him Polly. You know, uh, he's I'm, come over from Brooks. Am um, I am I mixing him up with the with the Bucks Wolves too? <laughs> Potentially, potentially, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think his name was Martin Cooper, but they looked at him, they went, that's Neil Warner. But any, <laughs> anyway, sorry, I, I interrupted, I'll shut up. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, so um, it's interesting you say about cohesion. So, um, number 83, Home Alone, I, I've, I've played contact with him uh, previous year. So, and he was he was that sort of guy that, um, you know, I, I quite, I fancy myself as a, a bit of a runaround QB and, you know, when I, when I would just get break outside the pocket, Home Alone was the guy that would... Uh, would sort of just find himself in loads of space. I don't know. He's got a, he's got a great knack for doing it, um, and you can just chuck it up to him. If it's a difficult catch, he'll come down with it, and if it's simple in his lap, he'll probably bobble it and then just fall over or something. And he won't <laughs> mind me saying that because he knows it's true. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, eighty four is um, JT, and I, I've been his coach all year, so I've not really had a lot of chance to throw a lot of balls to him. Um, but one thing he does do is he does get into space really, really well, and. Although he's a short guy, he, he picks up the ball um, and he just goes. He's just electric at times. Um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of the game overall, we were we were very very intimidated actually coming into that game. We thought that was going to be a lot lot tighter than it was. 
we look to your defense and your blitz is obviously he must be six foot ten or something like that. He's, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, a really tall guy. Yeah, he he's our version um, of Chad from Cardiff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking, oh my god, I'm gonna have to move a lot. I'm gonna have to try and get that ball around him. Um, and especially when it started raining as well, we we were we were really really going for uh, it's gonna be tight and we're gonna have to grind this out. Um, and to be honest, I think it almost it helped us focus a little bit more than what we would have done otherwise because you know like Chewy said before we take the we take the game and try and have fun with it every time we, we play and um when it, when the rain came down and we saw the the defense we sort of went yeah we've got to really be on it today um and it showed through the scoreline um the defense were properly happy because they've had numerous occasions to get picks this this year and They've dropped the ball loads and loads of times. So, uh, shout out to one of our defensive coaches, James Heggie, for finally picking the ball off and putting it in the end zone because um, he was overjoyed. But, yeah, it, it was one of those games where I sort of got the halftime, saw the score and didn't really believe it because it didn't feel like it had, it had been that smooth. It felt a lot tighter. But, yeah, by the end of the game, it was it was a big scoreline. But, yeah, I, full credit to your guys, though, because they kept going the whole way. I mean, uh, again, it, it sounds like excuses when you've lost the game, but it, it is what it is. Uh, on our starting defence, only one of those is an actual starter. Uh, oh, really? But if you take the blitzer out of it, um, Lee, because uh, he's, he's our club captain as well, uh, we had um, a cornerback playing at safety. One of our safeties is a starter. Uh, the two guys playing corner... It was their debut in the league. Um, we've, we've, we've had so many guys, you know, not available through injury, through work. Uh, we haven't, at no point yet, have we actually fielded our fully first first team full strength uh, at any game day. It's really frustrating. So I'm hoping our, our home game, they will be able to do so. But yeah, I mean, but even even is what it is, we, we patched it up. I mean, we even had our uh, our defensive coach with, with his hand in a, in a cast trying to come in and catch balls one-handed. Uh, that's Chris. He, he, he's been told six weeks he's out, he can't play, and there he is trying to trying to compete. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a tough ask anyway. I knew it was going to be tough going in. But yeah, you, you guys, I think the experience and, and the, the familiarity with yourselves and the knowledge of the receivers made a massive difference against our defence. Because if we, if we took the deeper way, which we were pretty consistent at doing, you were finding yeah. flats. Um, if our corners, you know, we were, we're nagging them, stay in your zone, stay up, stay up. Uh, you're hitting over the middle where the blitz is coming from. It, it was a real frustrating, you know, you get the third and fourth down, get you off the field, no conversion. Uh, but like I said, that's, that's the mark of a good team in fairness. It's just a shame we won't have a chance to play you again. No, and that's, that's the one thing that these cross-conference games do do. It, it's a great experience to go and play teams that you wouldn't otherwise see. But it does make you yearn to go and play those games again because you think, oh, it would be different if you know, Absolutely. it'll be a different day with different yeah. players and yeah. yeah. And, and, and friend, friendlies are great, but you don't have the same. There's there's something missing from friendly game days because ah, oh, it's are. a friendly. Yeah. It's you know, when when there's points on the line, however however big or small the points are. I'll, I'd love to have another bash at Southern with a full fully armed and operational Falcon squad. <laughs> Throw uh, in that Chewy, you can pick that up if you like. There's always the Southwest series. Gauntlet thrown. <laughs> well, we've got to play them yet, so I must say nothing. I'm saying stum. <laughs> um, so all these games, um, some maybe considered upsets too. Uh, let's run down what they did in the respective divisions. Uh, Southwest A1 looks like this after game day three. Uh, the previously shiny and unbeaten Falcons, they're still top at six and two. 
Uh, the Supers hold on to second with a 5-3 and three record. Uh, the Gators, after a slow start, move up to third with a 4-5. and five. Swindon drop a spot to fourth with 3-3-1. Three, three and one. Swansea are fifth with a 2-5-1 and one record. Uh, and still in the basement, looking forlornly up at Plymouth with an 0-8 record. And we're moving over to the Southwest B1 table. Uh, the still unbeaten Southern Reapers are top with 7-0. and uh, Bucks Wolves are hot in the heels with a 7-1 and record. Trishes and Sharks are up into third with a 6-2. and Reading Knights, which really surprised me, Jay, uh, are in fourth with 5-3 and three after the way you performed in that game day. Uh, White Hellhounds are in fifth with a 1-7 and seven record. And lastly, the Wolves 2 squad currently in last with a 1-8. and eight. So, stat shout-outs. Um, I had a look at the stats. I'm not sure whether you guys actually do any stats on the Southwest B. Because uh, not many, if any, were showing up for that game day. No, uh, I don't think we do somehow. Right, so sorry, <laughs> it's going to be just me and Lewis then. Yeah, yeah. Southwest days performing great for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> um, top D guys on the day for interceptions were Ryan, I believe that's Jones, I can't read my own right then, um, of Storm. Uh, Josh Evans of the Falcons and Mark Studley of the Gators with two picks each. Uh, top TD passes for. This, well, I'll say the Southwest Day because there's there's no Southwest B guys. Sorry, uh, well, James Wilford with nine. Swansea's Ashley Lewis with seven, and I managed to sneak into third with six somehow. Um, top touchdown catches. There were a plethora of guys on two, like Paul Labette, Matt Burke, Luke McEnroe, Andy Gaboni, Billy Vickery, and Hill Walford. But Grant Hutchins of the Storm snagged three, and Swansea's Dylan Owens topped it with four. Uh, Swindon's James Wilford also rushed for three scores. And Andy of the Gators punched in 2-2. Two, two. I say two on the day. Um, and then Swansea's David Camp topped the sacks charts with four plus a safety. Exodus Pat Smith and Swindon's Ross Button grabbed two apiece. So game day four, uh, June the 8th at the Gators for the SWA1 teams. And June the 9th at the Bucks Wolves 2, which I'm assuming is the same as the Bucks Wolves, uh, for the Southwest B guys. Uh, I've got some matchups that look tasty or have some importance attached to them. Gents, have you got any? Oh, yes. <laughs> All right, well, we'll start with Adam, then go to Lewis, and then to Jay, and then back to me. Well, we, we're going to be facing off against Jay last game of the day um, for us um, on the 9th. Before that, we're going to face the Sharks again for the second time. Um, and then before that, we get to play the Bucks-Wolves B team for the first time this season. So, it's... Uh, we've got a play, ref, play, play, so that that gap in the middle could be a killer. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be going straight from the start into the night. So two, two real clinching games. Um, not to discount the Bucks beat at all, but I, I'm thinking purely about the Sharks and the Knights. Okay. Did anyone else notice it's just his team he's talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Lewis, <laughs> off you go, bud. Yeah, I've got I've got a couple uh, that I'm keeping an eye on. Two of them are my own, um, so you can't you can't ignore the top of the table clash um, between the Falcons and the Supers. That's going to be really good, uh, and it's going to be a really good game um, in terms of you know the dynamics of the of how it um, of how the the table is going to look. So they're they're only one win. Uh, behind us um, but also you've got yourselves the Gators only two behind us so 
it's, it's starting to shape up really competitively in the top three spots, um, in particular in our division. So we'll have to make sure that we're, um, you know, not taking any matches off. So I think that'll be a really good one to see how our, our offense goes up against their defense. Um, and and uh, secondly, I've got the Falcons Gators round two um, because we talked last week about uh, that game and you felt that, um, you know, you weren't at your best and you weren't representative. Uh, and I think having seen the scores that you put up uh, in Reading the other week, um, I think that'll be really good to see sort of how you guys have um, come along and what you can do, uh, you know, maybe, if, you know, kind of looks like you might have woken up a little bit after that slow start that you had to the beginning of the season. So I think um, once again, Gators are going to be, uh, I had my eye on you from the beginning of the season, especially after the Southwest Series win. So um, I we certainly won't be uh, taking that first that first scoreline for granted um, and thinking it'll be easy. So, uh, and then finally, Gators again. I think Gators versus Storm um, is going to be a really good matchup. Uh, watching you guys hack it out. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I'll, I'll buck Dewey's trend and go for teams that aren't my own. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think the Sharks versus the Wolves one team will be a really good game. Um, it's it's two really really competitive teams with, and then hopefully Corey's back for the Sharks just to just to add that bit of X factor for them. Um, but that's that's a that's a game that could go right to the last drive. Um, I think the White Hellhounds versus Bucks Wolves two will actually be a really really exciting game to watch from a neutral point of view. Because um, I know the Wolves too have gotten a lot better, and last and last week it looked like White's offense not like it was there, um, but by the numbers White's offense really got moving. So that could again be one that's quite explosive. Um, and but I will agree with Chewie. I think that the Reapers versus the Knights will be the the funniest game of the day because <laughs> there's always there's always a little bit of uh, banter that goes on between the two teams. <laughs> I, I got so much stick for all of the banter I was giving you guys at the sideline <laughs> last time. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's 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 a, a nice history with the with the two teams. Obviously, one of our one of our contact coaches down Woods plays for you guys. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's a friendly rivalry, and it they're always fun games to be a part of, and they're, they're really competitive. Okay. Um, before I add mine, I will say I hope you Reapers are as conservative as the Knights are on the sideline when they score. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're actually, we're normally really quiet. To be fair, um, <laughs> you're really really casual, aren't you? A bit odd, aren't you? Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, when we play the knights. I don't know for some reason, I I get mouthy. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to me, whenever I play, I get mouthy. I can't help it. Same <laughs> Dale. I, I can't help having a chip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the games I had, you covered all of them, bar two. Um, I got uh, Swindon versus Gators. Um, it's a battle for third at the moment. Uh, we want to solidify third, or and I'm sure Swindon want to leap progress. Uh, Western versus the uh, the Falcons, uh, top of the table clash. Plus, from the Gators and Storm point of view, we're hoping. You know, I don't know whether draw would be better or the Falcons losing, um, but whatever, whatever's conducive to making it a, a, a little bit more tight at the top. Similarly, Western against the Hammerheads. If Swansea can bring a few more, uh, and if Harley's back and available. That'll be interesting to see West, and especially now they've um, they've experienced a, a little bit of a a bit of a shock there. If you want on the on traveling yeah, to uh, yeah, that you know, they, and that's that's not a disrespectful comment towards them. They did a quality side, 
but are people starting to figure out the defence, um, the way they run their offence? Hammerhead's coming with a full strength side. Uh, second time they played him, that'll be an interesting matchup to see how he comes out. Uh, Exeter against Gators for the reasons Lewis said. Uh, Sharks against the Wolves. Wolves against the Knights I've got as well. Because on, based on, I haven't seen the Wolves play, so it's hard for me to comment on them. But looking at the table and com- looking at the table and comparing how the Knights played and looking at the position on the table doesn't correlate to my head. Uh, you played better than fourth. So yeah. that's going to be an interesting matchup because Bucks Wolves are second. They, they, they're pushing for top and they're scoring for fun. So that you know, it would be interesting to see the result. Sharks against the Reapers, again, uh, top of the table clash. Uh, and then the Reapers against the Knights. So all that's left, I suppose, of this bumper recording is uh, to thank Jay, Adam and Lewis for joining me. Thank you. Uh, Cheers for having us, Dale. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate your insights. And uh, maybe we can do it again at the uh, end of the season for the last game day. I'm going to be back next time after game day four for more of the same. Uh, maybe I'll be on my own unless somebody's brave enough in Southwest A to join me. Looking at you, Swindon. Looking at you. Uh, I've done Exodus. So I can't shout at them. Uh, who else is Western there? Western. Western. Well, well, if Plymouth turn up, yeah, I'm more than happy to, to, to join you. But if they're not there, they can't see. I'm sorry. I'm just Josh in Plymouth. Uh, so, yeah, Plymouth, Western, Swindon. Any of you guys want to pitch in and... Uh, Join the fun, you're more than welcome to. Other than that, we'll catch you on the road. Cheers for listening, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. Hi, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Just a reminder that group ball registrations are now open. It will be held on August the 3rd in Doncaster with all profits going to charity. Contact the group project on Facebook and get registered. That wraps up this episode. Find us on Facebook at First and 15 Podcast. Give us a like to keep up with all our shows. Also, check out our sponsor, Nuola, for all your customised sportswear supplies.